0: Good morning, First Burleson. How are you today? Good. Glad. Thank you so much for joining us in person. And thank you to those of you who are joining us online. Uh, We are one church altogether, scattered across now hundreds of campuses all across Burleson and the world. And we're so excited about that. And I am excited to bring the word today because we are concluding our three-week series on prayer today. And we have been deep in the word, uh, taking from it what we can learn about prayer. And in the first week of this, we talked about why we should be praying. And in that, we looked at two of God's characteristics his sovereignty and his immutability, his unchanging nature. As why these are reasons some people use to not pray as much as they should. Because if God is all powerful and he never changes and He's, he's going to do what he wants to do, why should we pray? But what we actually learned from that is those are reasons we should be praying more. So you should definitely go back and watch that if you want to learn more. And then last week we talked about what happens when we pray. And that was really good news last week because we learned from Romans 8 that the Holy Spirit on our behalf is always praying the perfect will of God. So for those of us who feel like we are not great at praying, we have good news because the Holy Spirit is praying God's perfect will over our lives. And that prayer is always answered amen that is great news for us and today we are talking about we're concluding with how to pray and i want to preface this entire message by saying that i do not believe myself to be an expert on prayer i know a few things and i will be doing my best to teach you what the holy spirit has taught me uh and in light of that if you have your bibles please go to matthew chapter 6 and you can hold your place there That's where we will be for the most, the majority of this sermon. Um, But we're going to read 2 Chronicles 7.14 and Ephesians 3.20 to start off the message today like we have for the, the, the previous two sermons. And 2 Chronicles 7 says this, "'If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven.'" And I will forgive their sins and heal their land. God is wanting to bring healing to our land. That is your community, your nation, and your world. And he wants to do it more than you want it. Uh, He said in, um, where was Ezekiel? He said, I looked for one person who would stand in the gap And build a wall and pray on the behalf of the land that I might pour out my healing on it. But I found no one. I believe that we are where we are as a nation because the church has neglected to stand in that gap on behalf of our country, on behalf of our community. And so that's where this series came out of, Pray More. We as a church, as a people of God, need to pray more. More. We need to seek his face. We need to live repentant lives because God is wanting to heal our land. And the good news is in Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. There is a power that is working in you. It's called the Holy Spirit, and God wants to unleash the kingdom through you. He can do it better than you can think to even begin to do it. He can do more with our trials and our limitations than we can through our own blessings. He is able to do more than we can imagine or even think. So the question that we have to ask ourselves, if God wants to bring healing to us, to our community, to our city, our state, our nation, our world, and he can do it better, exceedingly, abundantly, and above than any way we could even imagine it happening. Why are we as a people not praying more? I believe this, that if we only knew what God was doing whenever we prayed, we would literally never stop. If we could have a full revelation of what God was doing whenever we got on our knees and emulated that song that we just sang and poured out our hearts and cast every concern and every care upon his throne, we would never stop praying because of what we would see God doing. The key to this entire series has been this. The way, the best way is to pray. That came out of a conversation that Daniel Morrow and I had uh, whenever we were working through this series together. He actually helped me plan a lot of this, and I'm very thankful for that. And we said, he came up with this phrase, the best way is to pray. I don't know if that's his original thing or if that's something he's heard before, but it's stuck with me. If you are in a place today where you are not praying purposefully every single day, we want you to get there. Actually, as a member of our church, if you've been through our Discover First class to become a member, what we talk about uh, in the first week of that four-week series is how we love God. And we do that by attending worship regularly We do it by reading God's word daily and we do it by reading or by uh, praying daily. As a member of our church, we have an expectation of you to be praying daily and praying purposefully. If you're praying over your meals right now, that is a great place to start, but it's not the place we want you to end up. There's a next step to take. In the last two weeks, we've talked about the, the challenges have been, hey, set aside five minutes each day this week to prayer, set aside five minutes for three days, whatever it might've been, Uh, So the key, the best way to do this is to pray. That's the key for this series. The key for this message is this. The key to knowing how to pray is knowing the heart of the Father. How should you pray? How do you pray well? The key to praying is knowing the heart of the Father. And don't make the mistake of thinking it's praying articulately, because we talked about last week how God uh, hears our prayer even whenever we don't know how to pray. Whenever our heart is pouring out to him, sometimes there's no words coming out of our mouths. But he hears the prayer of our heart. In the hardest times of your life, it is really hard to articulate a prayer. So I'm not talking about articulation. I'm talking about direction of your heart to pray well. Knowing the heart of the Father will help you know how to pray. Matthew 6, 9, 13 is where we're going to spend a lot of today. And that is the uh, Lord's Prayer. Jesus is teaching his disciples and some other people with him how to pray. And he says this. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, or holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And what we're going to do today is use that passage and we're going to get six keys to knowing the father's heart out of it. Six keys to knowing the Father's heart so that we can know how to pray better. The, actually, the original uh, title of this series was, "Pray More, Comma Better." And uh, Daniel's wife, Jody actually got to have some input into that. And she's an English teacher and she uh, was not a fan of the grammar of that title. And so we changed it uh, for her sake and for others to Pray More, uh, just for uh, for simplicity's sake. Uh, But I like the title Pray More Better. No, I like the title Pray More, uh, not comma better, but I like it better now the way it is, not the way it was. That's confusing. Let's get into this. All right, key number one to knowing the Father's heart. God wants us to call him father. God wants us to call him father. This then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven. Romans 8 15 says the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and daughtership and by him we cry Abba father. And that word Abba is a word that is very intimate. It is like a son or a daughter crying out to their earthly dad. It's a daddy or a dad or a papa, if you will. It is a very intimate word. Uh, And God desires for us to see him as our father. And that's not a high concept for us to understand. We know what it means to have a dad. Uh, Most of us do, knows knows what it means to have a dad. Some of us don't know what it means to have a good dad. But we have a good Father in heaven. Um, when I was starting to think through this, I thought of a story I once heard. Uh, my friend was playing catch with his son, uh, his six-year-old son. They were playing, uh, throwing the baseball back and forth. And the, the dad noticed that his son was, his, his throwing was a little bit off. It looked like he had some discomfort as he was releasing the ball. And so he walked over to his son and he said, hey, uh, is everything okay? Notice your hand looks kind of weird when you're throwing. And his son showed him a splinter that had been in his thumb for three weeks. And that started to get a little bit infected. And the dad said, hey, son, why didn't, you, why didn't you tell me about that? Why didn't you show me the splinter whenever it happened? I could have taken care of this. And we could have dealt with this issue right when it started rather than waiting so long till it got infected. And the son, this guy was a business owner. He's a busy guy. And so the son looks at the dad and says, well, I just know you're, you're busy all the time. I didn't want to bother you with something this small. We have a God who wants to deal with the little things in our lives. He cares about your splinters. And if you can understand that, it will drastically change the way you pray. Some of us, we have this idea of God as being so big and so powerful, so mighty, that maybe he doesn't care about the little details of my life. Maybe he doesn't have a care or a concern for whenever I have a stubbed toe or Something just goes wrong throughout my day, but we have a God who wants us to throw all of our cares, all of our anxieties before him. He wants to get down next to you and pull that splinter out of your thumb. He wants you to come with the little problems because he's a good father and he's up close and he's personal. He's not far away and a lofty concept that we can't even begin to comprehend, but he is a near To us, God, who wants us to cry out to him, Dad, that's who he is. That's the first key. The second key is this. God's name deserves the highest honor. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. Set apart is your name. Revelation 4.11 says this. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. It's key number two that God is so holy and so deserving of honor that makes key number one so hard for us to comprehend. He wants us to call him dad, yet that's difficult for us to understand because because it seems like a contradiction almost. That he wants to relate to us as up close and personal as father, yet he is unrelatable in his glory and power. He's unattainable in the way we can understand him. His name is worthy of praise, but here's what people don't often understand. He wants us to know how great he is and how powerful he is and how big he is so that we won't be tempted by a lesser counterfeit. Whenever I was young, one of my first memories is of my sister and I wrestling with my dad. I was probably four, maybe five years old, and we would be in the floor of the living room, and I would run and tackle my dad, and he would act like it was the hardest blow he ever received. He would knock back and be like, oh, you got me, and I would feel really good about myself. Like, that was great, and that's how it would usually go. He would let me get him in a headlock and let me pin his arm down, and then every once in a while, though, he would just grab me hold me up above his hand, his head and twirl me around or something, or just display how strong he was and how futile my efforts actually were. And in those moments where I was absolutely powerless next to an all powerful, from my perspective, person, I didn't feel discomfort in that. I didn't feel like, oh, he's so strong, I can never be like that. I felt so much comfort in knowing how strong my father was. Whenever we fully understand the might and the power of God, it does not diminish his up-closeness, his fatherly attributes. It actually increases them. Because your dad wants you to know how big and strong he is so that you will be comforted and have peace and joy in knowing that he has you in his arms. And so whenever we pray, know that your God is, your dad is a big God, and he has you in his arms. 1 Samuel 2.2, 2, there is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Praise your father, because he's good, and he has you. Key number three, when we pray, know that God wants your will to align with his will. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus in Matthew 26 displays what is the most honest prayer in the entire Bible. He is about to go before the cross. And it says that in this prayer that he is concentrating and focusing so hard that his pores even begin to bleed. It says this in verse 39. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground. The creator with his face to the creation. And he prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Not as I I want, but as you want. Jesus modeled what it meant to follow God. Uh, It says very clearly in Scripture that he only did what he saw the Father doing. He spoke with his voice. He walked with his feet. God's will was Jesus' will. And understand this, that Jesus was fully God, wrapped in human flesh, fully God and fully human. And in his power and in his divinity limited that part so that he could model what it meant to fully follow after God. And so we see Jesus saying, not as I will, but as you will. And if Jesus can say that about to face torment, torture, pain beyond imagination, I don't know if there's anything in my life that I can't say not my will, but yours. He modeled it for us. Following God is always going to come with a cost. Your salvation was freely given, but by saying yes to Jesus, you say no to other things in your life. There will always be a cost. And Whenever you follow your own will, there is a cost as well. There's a cost to chasing after the dreams and desires that aren't in line with what God wants for you. When you follow God's will, the end result is always going to be so much better than whatever you paid to follow it. You might have to say no to a job opportunity or say no to marrying that person because that's not in God's will for you. That's not in line with what God wants for you. But saying no to that, the end result will always be so much better because God has something better for you. And in this Whenever you follow after your own will, the cost is going to be so much more than whatever you might have received from it. The cost of following your own ways is going to be so much more than what it would have cost you to follow after God. I have never seen a man or a woman who lived their life fully for God and lived to regret it. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, ever. I have not seen it in my life. So whenever you go to God in prayer, you can come to Him honestly, like David does in many of the Psalms and saying, God, I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand why you're doing this. I don't understand your will or your ways. But Lord, not my will but yours. That is where we need to end up in our prayer. Not what we want, but what you want. The good news is that God wants to care, take care of that splinter or take care of that pain, take care of that hurt, take care of that confusion that thing that you don't understand why that's happening to you, but the place he wants you to end up is in line with his will. And it can hurt sometimes to get there because saying yes to him means saying no to something else that maybe you want. But the more you do it, the more your will automatically starts to align with what God is willing for you. And in that, there is sanctification. You become more Christ-like. So continue to pray after that. Pray that God's will... Is done for your life. That's our third key. Our fourth one is this. Understand whenever you pray that God is wanting to display His provision for your life. He said this Give us today our daily bread. And this verse comes soon after. In the same breath, He teaches us how to pray. He also teaches us in Matthew 6 31. So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. There are several aspects of the kingdom of God that are paradoxical. And I'm not smart enough to explain what that word means, so I'll give you an example. Uh, In the book Catch-22... It states that pilots, combat pilots, can get out of combat duty, this is during World War II, if they are psychologically unfit. But anyone who tries to get out of combat duty proves that he is sane and therefore disqualifies himself from being relieved of duty. So the way out is the way in, and the way in is the way out, but it doesn't make sense. It's really confusing. But in the kingdom of God, the way up is down. To be first, you have to make yourself last, and to receive provision that you need, you can't seek after provision, but you have to seek after the kingdom of God. One thing that I learned about experiencing freedom in Christ is that the thing that you pursue first will determine the amount of freedom that you experience in your life. So a lot of people, they will seek first to relieve themselves from a sin issue that they might have. Let's use anger as an example, and anger begins to consume the person, and they focus so much on getting relief from anger that it actually becomes their first priority, and they start seeking first relief from anger. And what they have done is prioritize the issue over that which can heal the issue, and that which can bring freedom and speak healing into the issue. Whenever you seek the kingdom of God first above all things and allow everything else in your life to come underneath the kingdom, the kingdom now has the authority and the power to bring healing into every area of your life. So what you seek first gets to prioritize your entire life. So when you seek first the kingdom, you allow the kingdom to speak into you. You allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. And if you seek first relief from that sin issue, that becomes your entire focus and everything else is subject to it. This is true with our finances as well. This is why actually God tells us to tithe. This is a reason why he tells us to give a 10% tithe to the church. Because whenever we take it all and we say, I'm going to do with this what I will, we don't allow God to speak into how we, do our, or how we handle our finances. And some of us, the truth is, is that we have more than we need, and it's become a burden to us. Because we've been blessed, it's become a burden because we, ha- we don't know what to It's not that we don't know what to do with all the cash in our bank. That's not the issue. But we have misappropriated what was meant to be a blessing, maybe bought more than we were meant to, And now that which was more than what we needed has become a burden to us because it has actually tied us into debt and other things that can be very hurtful and harmful to us. And that's why we actually have financial peace classes here at First Burleson. That's why we help people get out of debt. When... Whenever you don't put the kingdom first and you put an issue over the kingdom, in your life you will quench the Holy Spirit because you will hold something in such high regard or high esteem that you don't allow God's voice to have a part in that area of your life. So whenever you pray, make sure you align your will with God's and don't expect him to come in line with what you will. That will be very painful, and that will cost you dearly. The last two keys we're going to combine together. We're running out of time, so we've got to get through this pretty quickly. The last two keys are this. Whenever we pray, understand that God wants to extend forgiveness, and that God wants to deliver people. He wants to extend forgiveness, and he wants to deliver people. Verse 12 and 13, Matthew 6 says this, And forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And that word everyone from that verse is from a Greek word that means everyone. It means all people. He wants everyone to come to repentance to repentance. The best place for you and for me to deal with our sin is in the arms of our Father. Whenever we have any kind of issue in our life, God wants to be there for us. He doesn't want to be there. He is there for us. He has completely opened up access into his presence for you and for I to deal with the issues that we have, to take our splinters to him, to cast every care to every anxiety that we have upon him. Isaiah 61.1, a, a verse that Jesus directly quoted. He said, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captive, and release the darkness for the prisoners. Captives, these are people that are in bondage because of somebody else's actions. And you and I have been in bondage or we have been captives because people have hurt us and we have refused to forgive them or refused to um, allow God to heal those pains that we have from those wounds. And we're all also prisoners We're people in bondage because of our own actions and our own sins have led us to put ourselves in positions where we hide that thing from God, whatever it might be, because we want to control it and we want No one else to see our mess. We don't want God to deal with that issue that we have because we want to be able to take care of it ourselves. So rather than subject it to the authority and the power of the kingdom of heaven, we prioritize our own issue above it. And we say, I can fix this on my own. I can bring healing to my own situation. I don't need God to speak into this because I got it. But the truth is, is we don't. We don't got it. And God is wanting to extend forgiveness from where you have hurt yourself through sin and where from other people have wronged you and sinned against you. And he wants to be that up close personal father who comes next to his son who wants to take the tiny splinter out of his hand. And he wants to show you how strong he is, how he's able to take care of those things. But our first intention really is to hide and there was a boy who was practicing with a slingshot and he was terrible. Couldn't hit anything. His grandmother's duck was walking across the yard and he thought, I'm, I'm gonna shoot at it. I'm not gonna hit it. It'll be fine. Pulls it back, lets it go. Duck's dead. Bullseye, got him. And he freaks out. His sister sees it happen. And she says, you're in so much trouble. And he starts pleading and saying, I'll do whatever you want. I'll start doing your chores. Just don't tell grandma, Please. And so he ends up washing the dishes and vacuuming and cleaning her room. And finally he's had all he could stand. And so he goes to grandma and says, I am so sorry. I was playing with my slingshot. Didn't think I'd hit your duck, but I did. I killed it. I'm so sorry. The grandmother says, I know. I was in the window and I saw the whole thing happened. I wondered how long you were gonna let your sister keep you in slavery. That's where a lot of us are though because we don't want to deal with the issues that we have in our lives. We've allowed the enemy to keep us in a place where we won't go to the one person who can bring forgiveness to us. And I know whenever you see our country today that you probably have some worry and anxiety. I want us to end this series. We're going to read back over Second Chronicles seven fourteen. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. And he will do it exceedingly. He will do it abundantly and he will do it above all that we could ask or that we could think. And that's true for your life as well. There are things in your life that God desperately wants to come alongside of you. The things that you think are splinters and maybe even full bone fractures, whatever it might be, whatever is paining you today, whatever is causing you worry or concern or anxiety, God wants to deal with those things in your lives because he is a good father who is very near to you and he is strong enough to be able to deal with those things. He's big enough to heal your littlest concern and your greatest And for our country, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of seeing people sick and hurt. I'm sick of seeing injustices being played out on a daily basis. And it makes me even more angry that as I see these things, they're being politicized and victims are used as political props. And it's happening on the side that you support and the side you're against. It's happening everywhere. I want great things for Burleson. I want to see Burleson become a better place for everyone. I want great things for the United States. I want to see people healed and saved. I want to see people equipped in serving the kingdom of God. I want to see that for the sake of this generation here and now, and for future generations and my children's children, children. But God wants it more. However much we want good things, For our community, for our family, for our country, God wants it more. So why are we not praying more? He wants to bring healing, so why aren't we praying for it? We went through a long series at the beginning of this year called Broken Before Breakthrough, having no idea COVID-19 was about to happen. And before we began that series, we knew it was going to happen, the the series was going to happen, and in November I began to pray uh, with Daniel, just praying that, God would humble us before we would have to be humbled or that we would humble ourselves before we had to be humbled, that we would break our hearts for injustices before we had to become brokenhearted or before God had to break us. And once COVID hit, once we started seeing riots, I knew that God was beginning a work, that we were being broken, but that through that he was going to bring breakthrough. And he's not done yet. Everything that he allows, he redeems. And so I know that what's happening around us is going to be used for the kingdom. It's difficult to see right now in many instances where the good of this will come from, but we serve a God that's big enough to make that happen. Individually for you, corporately as a church, for our nation and for our world, he can do it. And I believe it. So I'm gonna pray every day. I am going to pray. Let's end this series with the story of George Mueller, who in the 1800s was 19 years old and just a terrible sinner. And he was in ministry school while he was a terrible sinner. And while he was at what we would call a life group, he gave his life to Jesus. He heard the gospel and said yes. And that day he decided to be a missionary He went to his father and said, Dad, I need money for mission school. His dad said, no, not going to help you with that. It's a waste of time. And he prayed every day for two months about what he was supposed to do. And God told him, hey, go to register for classes. So he's standing in line at the desk. Somebody comes up behind him and puts some money in his pocket. He doesn't see who did it. He gets to the front of of the line and registers for classes and the amount in his pocket is the exact amount that he needed. By the way, you should go research this stuff. The story of George Mueller is incredible. And there's some great YouTube videos, some 10 minutes long, some two hours long about his life. I recommend you watch them so you can see what God did through him. So he goes through missionary school, graduates, goes before the missions board and they deny him a mission. They say, you've lived too sinful of a life. We can't send you. We can't trust you. Devastated, he goes back and he prays for the next two years. God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? And after two years, God gives him a place to go, gives him a city, goes off to the city, finds a church there and says, hey, I'm George. How can I help this church? And they said, our pastor just quit last week. He says, well, I just graduated from missionary school. They say, you're hired. A few weeks go by and he figures out that the church is being uh, funded by selling pews. People can pray for priority seating. He prays about that. Every day, God gives him a word. He says, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to put tithing boxes in the back of the room. And so they start tithing and not selling pews, doing things the way God says to do them. And in that, they start to see a huge need in the community, orphans. And they raise enough money doing things the right way. Eventually, they have enough money to open up their first orphanage. And over the next 30 years, in the 1800s, they raised over $7 million and funded the largest uh, missional uh, orphanage organization in the world to this date. Because George Mueller prayed about these things. And years later, whenever he was on his deathbed, he was a 90-year-old man, he calls out a name. One of the people caring for him comes over and says, "'Who's this person that you're crying out for?' He says, that's a man that I've been praying for every single day, that he would come to know Jesus. Few weeks later, George Mueller passes away, and at his funeral, a man walks up to his casket, falls down on his knees, and the, the man that was with George, who heard him cry out the name, goes up to this man and says, hey, what happened? Are you okay? Man tells him his name. It's the man that George has been praying for for every day for almost 70 years. And he gave his life to Jesus that day. You won't believe what God will do when you begin to pray. If you only knew what He was doing, you would never stop. Let's pray. God, you are holy, you're our Father. And you care about every concern we have. God, thank you for your provision. Thank you, Father, that you've given us everything that we need for life, even whenever we don't recognize it. But God, we are imperfect people serving a perfect God, and we mess up. So God, we ask that you would forgive us for whenever we fail you. God, help us to see that Because we've been forgiven, we have no claim, no right to hold those who have sinned against us accountable, Lord, because you've forgiven them as well. God, every day we face trial and temptation to do things our own way, to do things in the way that we see fit. God, would you save us from that way of thinking? Would you deliver us, God? Lord, I lift up the person watching online or here right now that doesn't know your name, who has never made Jesus their Lord. God, pray that today would be the day that they say yes to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.